Okay, welcome to Simulit. Uh, we are back again. 2021 will not hold us down. We are kicking on. We're making more podcasts. And today we are arguably bringing our biggest ever podcast to, to your earbuds. We are tackling King Kong and the legacy uh, of King Kong, the sequels, the remakes, the spin-offs. Uh, we're going to look at the whole history ahead of King Kong going one-on-one -on -one with a Japanese monster Godzilla uh, released later on this year. Um, we covered uh, King Kong fairly in fairly in-depth in our Five Reasons to Love RKO podcast earlier on uh, last year. So uh, we're not going to go into too much detail in the original film, um, but we will touch on it because it looms large in the history of, of, of King Kong movies ever since 1933. As ever, my name is Adam Marsh, as usual, simulator host. I am joined by uh, my resident expert, Daryl Buxton. How are you, Daryl? I'm fine, thanks, Adam. Looking forward to this. Always... Uh... Always nice to get a chance to talk about uh, what they call Hollywood's tallest, darkest leading man. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I mean, that, but that 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 does loom large in in all of this. Actually, when you're talking about when I, whenever I refer to anything as like, oh, this movie, the leading man in this movie was well, actually, the leading man in this movie was King Kong. Practically every single movie, he is the leading man. The name above the title. Exactly, Jeff Bridges yeah. and all the rest, and have to caught with second billing all these um yeah well name name in the title in most cases exactly, so yeah yeah so um so we're going to look we're going to look at the the the, the history of, of kong and spin-offs etc uh, as we go as we go through but one of the reasons the impetus is for, for making this podcast aside from godzilla versus king kong which is coming out later on in the year is a book that you have edited daryl uh, which is out now and available to buy why don't you tell the listeners a little bit about this new book yeah, it's a book called Giant Monsters of Filmland. It's available through We Belong Dead, um, the fanzine that has expanded into a, a giant publishing empire. It's the latest book from uh, We Belong Dead, uh, available via their website. Um, and uh, um, yeah, it's reviews of dozens and dozens and dozens of giant monster movies over the decades. Does what it says uh, on the tin. <laughs> yeah, we've got Kong movies in there. We've got Godzilla and all the great Japanese monsters. We've got monsters from all over the world. We've got monsters from going right back to the 1920s, right up to date, right up to the most recent films. So, uh, and of course, uh, giant monsters are making a big, big, big comeback in cinemas at the moment. So uh, what better time for us to put a book out on them? Absolutely. And it's a, it's a great read. And there's lots of great monster movies that I haven't, I have never seen before that I'm yeah. immensely interested in seeing now after, after yeah, reading yeah. this book. And for those those who like to look at the pictures in books, there's loads of great posters and stills and things as well, which is what you want in a monster movie book. Absolutely, yeah. Um, and it's oversized as well. Yeah. <laughs> the book. Cool. So we, so we, what, what better time? You know, it, it's in the air. It's in the zeitgeist. Giant monsters. Let's let's talk Kong. So yeah, we 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 went into great detail on King Kong, a great movie, legendary movie, uh, arguably in the top ten movies of that define cinema. I guess uh, when you look at if you said what is cinema, and you had to pick out ten films that would encompass cinema king kong's probably going to be in there as a representative yeah. of that spectacle the giant spectacle of cinema well it's it's the greatest monster movie ever made and as such as you say it almost demands a place in a, a great movies of all time list whereas not many monster movies do it has to be said no no and, and many of them don't deserve either <laughs> so, <laughs> so you know which we will, which we will come on to. <laughs> We're not dissing them. We, we, you know, don't get us wrong. We, we love giant monster movies, but uh, King Kong is cinematic art, yeah. and uh, you know that's not something you say about about most films about a, a giant gorilla, is it? No, so, no. I mean, just 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 the fact that people know the shorthand of cinema. People know things about films and cinemas that we never have seen the films they know king kong climbs the empire state building you know they they, yeah. know, they know all these cinematic tropes that have been established in a movie that's like you know getting on towards nearly 100 years old you know it's uh it's yeah. ridiculous yeah. but um it, it it was a massive hit you know and they 
capitalize RKO Studios who released it capitalized on that in very quick succession, didn't they? It took nine months for their sequel to to hit to hit cinema screens. Yeah. Appropriately, nine months later, a, a son is born. Exactly, yes, yeah. yeah. Literally nine yeah. months. Yeah. Now, even before Son of Kong, which we'll go on to talk about in a moment, somebody else nipped in and ripped off Kong even before the, the sequel came out in rapid record time. Uh, because just three months after Kong hit cinemas, Walter Lance, the guy who went on to to uh, create Woody Woodpecker, uh, had got a, he'd got a cartoon unit at Universal Studios, and they made a cartoon called King Clunk, uh, which is a a Pooch the Pup cartoon. It's on YouTube. Go and watch it. It's great. It's only seven minutes long, as cartoons tend to be, and um, it's a black and white comedy remake of King Kong three months after the original came out with Pooch the Pup as Carl Denham. Uh, all of the stuff is in there. It's all condensed into cartoon length. And um, so you get the trip to Skull Island, you get them finding the great ape, bringing it back to America, putting it on show in a big city, uh, Kong falling off a building, the whole lot, plus loads and loads of silly gags in the background. So uh, check out King Clunk on, uh, on YouTube. So, yeah, that even beat RKO to, to the punch there. And um, uh, they thought that they were rushing out Son of Kong, but uh, they were beaten to it by Walter Lance. So, uh, but yeah, Son of Kong is extraordinary to, to, to bring that out so, so quickly. And um, the great thing about Son of Kong, one, one thing about contemporary monster movies, the ones that we're watching at the moment and the ones we've seen probably since Cloverfield, I would say, there's, there's been this trend in modern monster movies for the filmmakers, filmmakers who've grown up watching Ray Harryhausen and grown up watching King Kong and grown up watching a lot of the films we're going to talk about. And they've now decided, yeah, let's put a modern spin on the monster film. Let's, let's set these films within a sort of recognisably real world, as though you looked out of your window and a monster walked past, and your reaction would be different to the reaction of a character in a 1950s film. Your reaction would be, I, I, I can't believe what I'm seeing here. You know, how, how can this be happening? That might be your reaction, Daryl. My reaction <laughs> Tell us yours, would be Alice. to scream like Gandaro. <laughs> <laughs> you know, that, that's the perfect 1930s, 40s reaction to... You'd, you'd go to the 30s, 40s and I, 50s I'd, thing. I'd hit but, that high but, C. <laughs> yeah, but but as I say, Cloverfield didn't do that. And monster films, including the, the, the recent Godzilla and recent Kong movies, have not done that. They've, they've sort of tried to set the films in a recognisable real world and they've used like political and military responses to uh, to the beasts. And, and, and the films have sort of focused on not so much on the sort of monster attacks, but more on the human response to that. Now, interestingly, Son of Kong does that. The sequel to King Kong begins almost as a meta movie before meta movies existed, because the the sort of spark of the storyline of Son of Kong is Carl Denham completely ruined by the events of the first movie and then getting lawsuits from the New York Metropolitan Authority saying, look, you're the guy who brought this giant monkey over here. He's destroyed half the city. What are you going what are you going to do about it? And are you going to pay for it? Nothing more American. Nothing, yeah, yeah. So, right. so people people have paid their sort of uh, you know their dollar or whatever to go and see the sequel to King Kong, thinking they're going to get dinosaur fights and another giant gorilla and so on. And the first ten or fifteen minutes of the movie are about a guy being sued by the New York City. <laughs> well, you know, again, nothing more American than than, yeah, than exactly. litigation. Yeah. You know, it's a, it's yeah, a sure. perfect analogy of America. There, I thought it was sure. interesting that. that we, we start off with King Kong and the way that Hollywood has tended to go is making him smaller. Mm. That, that's like the, the, the downward trend almost for, yeah. for the movies yeah. that come after, um, after the King Kong, particularly in the next 15, 20 years sort of thing. They start off much like, like Son of Kong is obviously a, a, an adolescent, a, a, a child 
Kong. Yeah. Um, so, so it, it's an interesting, interesting angle. I guess when you start off as as giant as King Kong, you, the only way is down, literally, as he <laughs> fell off the uh, <laughs> Empire State yeah. Building. So, so um, Son of Kong is is an interesting movie. I thought it, it was it was okay. It, it kind of yeah. like it, it kind of for for a quickie sequel, it's great. Yeah, yeah I mean, yeah. what it could have done does with it, does its job. Yeah, it could have done with having another couple of years on it, really, uh, to, to yeah. develop yeah. it. I mean, it was literally released in the same calendar year as King Kong. Yeah, <laughs> which is well, ridiculous. Kong came out in March. The cartoon that I mentioned was out in June, and Son of Kong came out three days before Christmas. There you go. So, so you know, it's like, you know, you're not even clicked over to the next calendar year and you've already yeah, got a yeah. movie. So, Incredible. Um, and, and maybe that says something about RKO wanting to cash in super quick. Uh, or maybe it's a more RKO didn't have the money to finance a, a, a bigger budget follow-up, maybe. Possible, possible. possible. Yeah. And, and maybe they thought if, if they'd waited two or three years people might have forgotten what Kong was or not been interested in the sequel. Things things were moving pretty quickly in the 30s. Yeah. You know, if 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 you look at um, other franchises in the 30s, things like the Busby Barclay musicals and things like that, they were banging out one a year, you know, and doing lots of little spin-offs and things. And, um, yeah, this seemed to sort of want to, to sort of work on the marketplace in that same sort of way and get it out quickly but yeah for what it is it's great it's a lovely little film it's only an hour long it's got once you've got past all the sort of litigation and characters being sued and stuff which is interesting in its own right because it's a it's completely unexpected and b it's utterly 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 realistic it's what would happen yeah um, but once you passed all that, yeah, we get back onto the island and we've got a little baby Kong fighting monsters. We've got another great heroine as well in uh, Helen Mack. And um, yeah, it's just a lot of fun. I think I think for me, we lacked that sense of grandeur that Kong had. It didn't quite yeah, manage yeah. to capture that again um, in the way it staged its set pieces. Yeah, I'm not sure they tried to though. Possibly it was not. it was banged out as a quickie, and um, and they were having a lot of fun with it. You know, Ruth Rose, the uh, the screenwriter, said about that. She um, made a remark to the effect of, "We've got to get this out so quickly that uh, I, I I might as well make it comic. You know, uh, we might as well go for the laughs with it." So uh, the 30s posters advertised it with a really weird phrase as well. It was called. Um, Son of Kong, a serio comic fantasy. Ooh. Fantasy spelt with a PH as well. So, so serio comic. If if you remember when the arachnophobia came out in the 90s and they came up with this word thrillomedy to describe it, <laughs> and serio comic fantasy almost seems to be like the 1930s version of that. It's like, how how do we sell this? We need to create some new term to sort of describe it, you know. Uh, but uh, yeah, a very, very odd film, but very, very sort of enjoyable and fun one. Well, the cashing in didn't seem to, I mean, it might have cashed in, but it didn't seem to spawn a, a string of, of Kong movies a la Frankenstein or, or Dracula that the Universal Studios were putting, pumping out in the 30s. That's probably in the, nature of, in the nature of the beast, I suppose, in the nature of what it was, because, you know, not every studio had Willis O'Brien working there. Making making these intricate little stop motion models and spending ages and ages doing all of the animation and the mats and everything. So um, it's perhaps no surprise that there weren't a, 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 a string of ripoffs. What you what you did get was the occasional um, sort of man in a suit gorilla movie, which was the nearest you got to sort of uh, imitating, or dare we say, aping hey. uh, King Kong. Yeah. We get get that one in early, yeah, yeah, yeah. absolutely. So, uh, so yeah, um, perhaps no surprise that that we weren't actually getting um, proper copies of Kong. Every studio didn't have its own Kong because every studio didn't have its own Willis O'Brien. Yeah. Well, speaking of Willis O'Brien, let's let's move on to, to the to the next one because we get we get uh, Mighty Joe Young in 1949. I think that's the next significant Kong-esque yeah. movie. Yeah. Um yeah. it's not a Kong film, it's it's a, a brand new character 
who is a giant ape. <laughs> and it follows a very, very similar plot line to King Kong. And it has... Yeah, a big, big stretch for Willis there. Yeah, you know, no, it, uh... was, it was fairly... Yeah. Plot-wise, it's fairly like, well, this is literally King Kong again. <laughs> well, that's fine. I mean, you, you're talking like, you know, 17... 16, 17 years later. So you got a new generation potentially watching watching these movies. So that's that that doesn't bother me too much about it. You've got uh Willis O'Brien credited as technical creator, but then you have also the first appearance of a lead technician here called Ray Harryhausen and making his monster yes, indeed, movie. Yeah. Um, so and I'm 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 assuming that he did all the work and Willis was the the sort of like um the name on the brand sort of thing at that time i think so I, I i think ray did do a lot of the character work on it yeah yeah and um willis was a more more of a sort of overseer i gather but uh um but would have would have done a bit of hands-on stuff i'm sure you know and and uh as you know technicians like to do they like to sort of get involved and uh, get their hands dirty a bit so and and yeah I think it's got the mark of O'Brien on it very definitely so if it was Harry Housen and other people doing a, a lot of the actual sort of physical work I think O'Brien was there sort of leading the way in terms of what he wanted the character to be and of course what you've got in Mighty Joe Young is it's almost parallel to the Kong story, except Mighty Joe is portrayed as a nice guy. Um, he's not a sort of marauding killer as 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 Kong is. Misunderstood, though, though Kong may have been at times. You know, he's been dragged out of his own world and, and dumped into the middle of New York. So how are you going to react, you know? But Mighty Joe Young seems much calmer and much nicer, much friendlier towards humans. And in the film's most famous scene, even rescues kids from a burning orphanage. Perfect. It doesn't get much nicer, you know. Yeah, no, I mean, how can you redeem yourself as a giant ape? You know, rescue a bunch of kids from a burning orphanage. Perfect. Yeah. I mean, I really, I really enjoyed this. I mean, I say... I, I like it a lot. Yeah, yeah, not, yeah, I've not seen it before, and I watched it, and uh, and I, I, you know, you'd hear that oh, it's just a retread of King Kong. You know, the effects are great, but it's just a retread, blah blah blah. And it and it is, but it's thoroughly enjoyable. It's very well made, and the animation is relative. You know, it, I know it's sixteen years later, but there's there's some really innovative leaps and bounds made in this movie. I think yeah. in the way that they 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 pull off some of the effects i mean the bits with the i mean it's a trick so good they they did it twice didn't they where they have the the lasso the, the use the, the cowboys lasso in the uh lassoing mighty joe which harry yeah. Housen reuses in um the valley of guanji a few years, valley of la- guanji, few yeah. years later which, which right. is which itself was an o'brien project from dating right back to that time right dating back to the 30s and 40s so uh guanji took uh, like 30 years to get made you know and uh so, yeah, it may well be that O'Brien had got that idea written down for his version of Gwangi that was going to be made in the early 40s. And then they used that in Mighty Joe Young and then used it again in Gwangi when it eventually came out. Yeah. So, uh, but yeah, I, I think uh, you were talking about how, how Son of Kong maybe isn't quite the sequel that we wanted to King Kong, entertaining though it is in its own right. We're lucky to have Mighty Joe Young because that almost plays as being the 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 film that we would like a follow up to King Kong to be, you know. Yeah, no, absolutely. It's it's it is Son of Kong, isn't it? In in yeah, in yeah, all but name, yeah. you know, he plays a smaller yeah. version of King Kong. He's nice, no uh, retread of the storyline, blah blah blah. But it, yeah, it, but but it's got the thing. It's got that Son of Kong maybe hasn't so much is it's got the spectacle of King Kong. Yes, yes, definitely, definitely. Um, and then yeah, it's got some nice, interesting angles to it i mean the nightclub scene with with live live lions yeah it's yeah. a great idea, great idea it's like it's like one of those things where it's just you think yeah yeah are you sure that's a good idea having wild lions in your nightclub what what can possibly go exactly. wrong it does it does feel a little bit like yeah wink wink to the camera you know what's gonna happen later <laughs> um but yeah but a thoroughly enjoyable uh, a thoroughly enjoyable uh, movie um 
Yeah, and of course, it's itself remade in the nineties as as a CGI fest. That's right, with uh, Charlize Theron uh, yeah, playing yeah. second building to Joe. Yeah, not a bad film in its own right. No, I would no. Say. no, I'd agree. Um, okay, let's let's move let's move on. Let's get another another ten fifteen year leap, uh, twelve year leap to nineteen sixty one, and and the British are coming. Daryl, the British get involved uh, in in the giant ape movie scene, and we get Conga from 1961. Um, yeah, yeah. You want to tell us a little bit about Conga? Yeah, well, the key thing for Conga with me is that it stars Michael Goff as a mad scientist. What the, yeah, and <laughs> Michael Goff as a mad scientist is just heaven to me. You know. Uh, I, I I love Michael Goff. He's an actor who gets a lot of criticism uh, from fans of British horror movies. People always claim that he he almost unbalances and ruins Hammer's Dracula. For what reason? With a sort of very, they a lot of fans think he gives a very over the top or sort of partly over the top and partly underplayed performance all all in one you know he's sort of over the top when he doesn't need to be and he underplays when he doesn't need to but i've always found his character in in dracula really really interesting because i think he's there almost as the audience representative you know and uh, and he, he brings a lot of michael goff to to that part as he does to 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 most of his acting jobs through the late 50s and through the 60s and into the 70s. Um, he's one of those actors, a bit like Kenneth Williams, one of those sort of characters where he seems almost to be playing himself on screen or he's playing this particular persona anyway, if not playing himself. He's playing a particular persona that goes from part to part. Uh, yeah, it's an interesting one, Michael Goff's character, because it's kind of like... He plays that British aristocracy kind of character, yeah. But yeah. with a with with almost like one step to one side, one step to the other. He's either playing a villain or a hero, you know. Yeah. He's, he's, yeah. And it's the same character, practically the same character. Oh yeah, yeah. But he's, yeah. He's, he, he can easily be just like just a tilted towards evil or tilted towards good. Yeah, yeah. And like Kenneth Williams, he's playing this sort of almost almost aristocratic sort of character in. Bottom of the barrel movies, you know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, and and speaking of that, let's get back to Conga. <laughs> yeah, indeed. Yeah, yeah. So <laughs> we get we get him playing a mad scientist who who is involved in some sort of crash in Africa where he disappears. Uh, uh, his boat or his plane is it a plane or a boat crashes? I think it's a plane, plane crash. Yeah. yeah, and yeah, he he, yeah. he goes missing for months on end in in deepest darkest yeah. Africa and reemerges uh, safe and well. Uh, with a young chimpanzee called yeah, Conga. Yeah. Uh, note the young chimpanzee element <laughs> to Conga as we carry on. So he, he uh, so he comes back to England, and obviously his first his first thoughts are to uh, to continue his experiments in in creating some sort of plant life. A growth, growth serum. <laughs> yeah, a yeah, growth yeah, serum from yeah. plants and animals. Is... <laughs> now, I'm sure listeners are way ahead of us at the moment, but <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. do, do carry on. I wonder how yeah. that could have turned out. So, <laughs> and obviously, he experiments on Conga. And, but the experiment is quite interesting because this, this growth serum that he creates doesn't just grow the chimpanzee. <laughs> It turns the chimpanzee into a gorilla, um, which I think is the most remarkable thing about the movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or you could argue it turns the chimpanzee into a gorilla suit. <laughs> a gorilla suit, definitely. <laughs> With a zipper up the back. Yeah, yeah. It's it's quite low-end budget-wise, <laughs> and the, the colour separation overlay uh, technique in the 1960s was there front and centre. Um it's an interesting movie in the sense that it doesn't quite, I, I feel it doesn't quite know what it wants to be, whether it wants to be a mad scientist movie, whether it wants to be like a teen drama. It suddenly goes into this 20 minute section where a 10, 15 minute section where it's like I was a teenage werewolf or some sort of teen drama of the 1950s, science fiction teen drama. Um, or is it a Kong movie or is it, you know, all these manner of different giant monster movie. 
Yeah. Again, they've they've got their eye on every single corner of the marketplace there. Yeah. And um, they're trying to appeal to everyone and get everybody to buy a ticket, you know, and uh, um, I don't think it quite worked. But uh, no. Um, but there, there was another British monster movie made around the same time called Gorgo. In, in fact, there'd, there'd been a couple of, of giant uh, monsters in British cinema because uh, there was uh, the giant behemoth or behemoth, the sea monster in 1959, Gorgo in 1960. So there you've got sort of two British equivalents to a Godzilla type figure you know and and so it was almost inevitable i suppose that we'd have our own king kong eventually yeah um but yeah done in a very very low rent version um with the uh, with michael goff doing his shtick in the middle of it all um and of course kong does get to sort of i would i wouldn't necessarily say that Konga climbs Big Ben as such, yeah. more than sort of Leans hangs on around behind it. <laughs> hangs around next to it, leaning on it. That's yeah. about it. <laughs> but equally, yeah, you know, from a from a sort of like from a sort of like British mentality making that movie, what do you do? You you hit those you hit those sort of like iconic images of of, of London. If you're gonna go for that, yeah. Do it, you know. And I guess that is a shot for the trailer straight away. And I bet that image of of Conga stood next to Big Ben sold that film in so many territories around the world. Oh, I'm, I'm so, sure. You know, I'm sure. That's that's why it's in there. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Now it's worth jumping ahead a little bit here and giving a brief mention to Queen Kong. I think well, from nineteen seventy six. I think the most remarkable thing about Queen Kong is it took that till nineteen seventy six for someone to use the title Queen Kong when King yeah, Kong yeah. came in nineteen thirty three. Yeah, I, I, I suppose we were into the whole sort of feminism, burn your bra sort of thing by then, you know. Um, uh, so you think it's a and, male um, chauvinist thing that we never got a Queen Kong? Maybe, maybe. We had a Bride having, of Frankenstein. Yeah, yeah, we did, we did. Having said that, although Queen Kong does sort of aim to be a sort of comedy feminist movie, uh, the male lead of it is uh, my old mate Robin Asquith. A legendary uh, feminist. <laughs> Indeed, yeah, yeah. You know, uh, star of the Confessions films and not exactly number one on the uh, the feminists list of top ten males, you know, but... Uh... Well, Queen Kong's got an interesting, uh, an interesting history around it because it's like it was made at the same year as the remake of King Kong in 1976, wasn't it? So Which which we'll talk about later. And uh, but to get into that, yeah, Dino De Laurentiis actually saw this trashy, cheesy little British comedy with terrible, terrible special effects as a likely rival to his King Kong remake. And he had it suppressed for 25 years. Well, that's the power of the title. It's the power of the title, though, it is. You know, you, know, you yeah, sell the sizzle, yeah. not the steak, you know, and it's like... And Laurentis, Laurentis knew that better than absolutely, anyone. Absolutely, absolutely, yeah, yeah. yeah. Mr. Showman. But yeah. let's, 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 let's jump back to 1962, where King Kong uh, went abroad. He went to Japan. And uh, it, they've got their I own, guess. they've got yeah, their own... Yeah. Um, big fella <laughs> wrecking <laughs> cities and stuff over there godzilla so the natural thing was to to pair them together king kong yep. versus godzilla 1962 an interesting film in the sense that it kind of has a 40 to 50 minute super quick run through of both their origins to get you up to speed and then we have the f- just just in case you don't know who these just guys in case are. you don't yeah. know they get you get you get that first but obviously with with the the japanese uh, characters interacting with kong on the island rather than the uh, carl denham and his crew yeah to to be fair in that respect adam king kong had come out in 1933 so it's almost 30 years old mm-hmm. and i don't i don't know what sort of release that had in japan I'm sure it must have come out over there and been successful, but I don't know if Japanese filmgoers in the early 60s would have necessarily been familiar with it. And even Godzilla had, there'd been the original Godzilla, Gojira in 1954, and then um, the a, a quickie sequel in 55. And then Godzilla hadn't appeared on Japanese screens for seven years. Mm. So maybe, maybe they thought, 
do people know who these characters are? Possibly. They've, they've been doing, the Toho Studios have been doing like other giant monster movies like Rodan and Mothra yeah, yeah. and things like that. So the, the giant monster thing uh, was still quite well in the air in Japan. And I guess bringing back the King of Monsters, Godzilla to fight King Kong. Yeah. And, and what better opponent than, than KK? Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Um, so we get, after that, we get, we get the first teasing of, a, of, a, of, a, of an altercation between the two. An hour in. An hour, Daryl. Yeah, it's yeah, King yeah. Kong versus Godzilla. We've got to wait an hour <laughs> until we get a brief skirmish between the two. And then it's another 20 minutes before we finally get to see some Apom giant lizard action. Yeah, yeah. Um, but when when that comes, oh boy. Oh, it's great. I mean, it's it's ridiculous. Uh, but it is great. I think the one thing that really lets it down is the Kong suit is not very yes. good. Yeah. In fact, it's pretty awful. It's worse than the one in Conga. It is. It's terrible. It's really <laughs> bad, and which is yeah. really surprising because arguably the Godzilla suit is one of the best Godzilla suits of that period, yeah. you know? Yeah, yeah. The Kong one looks like it's been in a skip for three months. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, he did get buried under all that rock and stuff. Yeah. So. I, I, I guess so, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah it was... It, it re- for me, it really lets it down. Um, it, it, it ruins some of the enjoyment of the film. For me, yeah. However, once yeah, they start, I, I once they start rolling around and fighting and fire <laughs> breath and all that kind of stuff, you kind of go with it at the end. Yeah, when when they get down and dirty, that suit sort of starts to to fit a little bit. You know, it's uh, makes a bit more sense. But uh, yeah, I I agree entirely with you. And um, for years and years with that movie, there's been a lot of talk and discussion about the ending. People have got this idea that. Kong wins in the version that was released to the West and that Godzilla wins in the version that played in Asia. And that's not actually true. We're, we're, we won't tell you who wins, but now there are, there are very, very good sort of Kong and Godzilla Blu-ray and DVD box sets around. So if, if, if you're looking to getting one of the Godzilla uh, box sets, you can actually see the Asian and the the Western cuts of these films, and you can see for yourself what happens at the end. I don't think I've seen the American one. No, I've only no. seen the Japanese version. Yeah, the 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 American or the, the sort of Westernized version used to play a lot on sort of kids TV as I was growing up, but maybe maybe that sort of fell out of fashion once you got into the eighties. I think you know kids have got sort of new things to watch by then so uh but yeah i i sort of grew up watching a lot of the toho uh, monster movies on tv and um so yeah i i saw that version uh two or three times on television but uh yeah but as i say now um via the magic of blu-ray you can see both versions on the same disc and you can see exactly what does happen at the end perfect uh, I won't spoil it, but it wasn't the last uh, interaction that Japan, the Toho Studios had with King Kong. They came back in 1967 with King Kong Escapes. Yes, yeah. With not only King Kong appearing in that movie, but a strangely named, or weirdly for British audiences, weirdly named um, human character. Yeah, the villain of the piece was a grey-haired uh, scientist um genius scientist called doctor who um which <laughs> causes a little bit of confusion for about five minutes like, what what but no it's um he is he is cut from the blow felt uh doctor no kind of uh mold isn't he in this movie yeah yeah but he's got much. his own kong as well he's got a mechanized yeah. version of kong mecha kong yeah mecha kong um, yeah yeah so we do get giant King Kong re- fighting Mechagong, and this and this preempts um, the Mecha Godzilla that didn't arrive until until the seventies. Yeah, yeah. I think that I think the idea of Mecha and and uh, ro- giant robots was in uh, was in Japanese culture around that period as well. So, what yeah, better yeah. opponent for King Kong, you know, than himself in robot form? Exactly. Yeah. 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 So, yeah, uh, it's not a bad movie, and the suit's a bit better. Yeah, Kong, yeah. They've improved the suit a little bit. Uh, and the Mecha Kong's great, and you know it, it. It it's an enjoyable hour and a half, or so movie. 
It is. It's just a great, great sort of colourful romp, really. Yeah. And uh, yeah, ideal viewing for all ages, I would say. Yeah, I, I'd agree with that. I think. I think one of the things that actually we'll get, let's let's move on to the King Kong 1976 remake. Mm. Yeah, because that came out in 1976. Big Dino De Laurentiis, massive hit studio, directed by um, the guy who directed Towering Inferno, uh, John Gwillem? Gwillem. Gwillemin or Gwillemin, or however you pronounce it, yeah. So he he directed Towering Inferno, and he came back for some more building-smashing action uh, with King Kong. It's got a terrible reputation, this movie. I mean, I I was born in 76, so I didn't see it on release, but it's got a pretty terrible reputation. And I, watching it back, I don't really understand why, because it's not a bad film. It's it's it captures the spectacle of Kong, you know, the, the 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 grandeur. Oh my God, look at the size of Kong! He's climbing the twin towers at that point. It's um, it, it captures all that those things that you want from a Kong movie. It's a little bit long, but apart from that, it's it's perfect. But film, films were, you know, yeah. Towering Inferno was yeah. so yeah yeah. Films were in in seventy six. We so were it, just on. We were just on the cusp of of the blockbuster movie coming in. You know, we'd had Jaws, we'd had The Exorcist, we'd got Star Wars on the way. Kong was sort of in the middle of all that. You know, yeah, it does and, feel and the, like it's part of that that heritage of of, of the blockbuster. Yeah. You know, in, in the seventies particularly, that this was an event yeah. movie. Yeah. I, I went to see King Kong with my family when uh, when I was a kid. I would have been 13 or 14 when it came out, and I've got two younger brothers, and we were all sort of excited for it. And uh, my mum and dad said, oh, yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll take you all to see it when it comes out. And we went on sort of opening, opening week and uh, um, I loved it, and the whole audience seemed to enjoy it. You know, I think the... the the big thing I remember at the time being the, the major point of criticism was there was a lot of controversy about the fact that Laurentis had announced that he was going to build this giant a- actual robot Kong to play the, the organic ape Kong. And as, as we now know, if, if you've read about the history of the film, um, attempts to sort of build this giant robot didn't really work all that well, and I think I think there are sort of elements of it remain in the film and are used in the film, but it ended up being Rick Baker in a monkey suit. Yeah, and I think, but it was still played up in a lot of the film's publicity about oh they built this sixty foot giant robot that's going to play the ape, you know, and and uh, um, and then the sort of disappointment that that didn't happen. And it was almost sort of perceived as though they've they've tried to fool us here. They've tried to pretend that they're going to build this giant mechanical construct, and then they put the they put the special effects guy in a suit, and and uh, we've been conned. We've been conned. Now nobody could really see past that, as I remember, and I think that's why the film took a bit of a hit, you know. And uh, but as I say, as an audience member in '76 going to see it. And I'd, I'd seen I'd seen the original Kong on TV by then, and really liked that. And it was a film that got a lot of TV playing as well, the Thirty Three Kong. So it was well known to the seventies audience, and um, so we all knew the story. But yeah, um, I think the seventy six film got a better response from audiences than people remember. I think it was largely the press and the media and the critics who didn't like it. And their take on that seemed to be that they they seemed to think they were somehow being hoodwinked by Dino De Laurentiis. Now, um, as a kid, I I loved the movie as a monster film. I thought it was great. Kong only really gets to fight the the, the big snake in the film. There's no fight with the T Rex or anything, which which we we sort of knew from the original. But uh, um, but. The fight with the snake is great. And seeing the movie years later as an adult, I'd I'd actually fit it in alongside a lot of the stuff that was coming out from the more adult filmmakers of the 70s. It feels a lot to me like um, a Robert Altman film in places. 
it's got it's got something to say in it, hasn't it? It's got something to say. Oh, yeah, yeah. With the yeah. sort of like eco uh, eco message, I guess, with petroleum companies and things like that. Sure. It's got and all all that all that stuff they do with the giant the giant petrol station and the giant uh, um, the giant gas pumps and everything. You know, with Kong sort of in in a cage that's that's sort of uh, designed to look like this huge petrol station is is very very and, and product placement everywhere. You know, that's very very Robert Alt. Altman. That's that's the Altman of Nashville, you know, that was made the year before. And um, and for viewers of 1990s films um, and fans of the Coen brothers, I also think you've got Jeff Bridges doing a little trial run for Lebowski. <laughs> OK. <laughs> you you watch the opening scene of King Kong where Jeff Bridges character is pretending to be drunk so that he can accidentally on purpose get into this secret secret military compound to find out what's going on mm. it's it's lebowski cool <laughs> yeah yeah and um, we've also got we've also got um uh um i mean jessica lang is in there playing uh making her her debut mm-hmm. and again that that sort of destroyed her career for about six or seven years until she did francis in in the early 80s she really wasn't taken seriously at all no um and and she managed to sort of haul her career out of the gutter really but uh, you know when when her character's discovered in kong um and she's sort of been involved in this sort of explosion or accident on a boat and she's survived it and she's found floating in the sea and and she is brought on board the rescue ship and she, and she tells a story of how the crew have been watching deep throat on <laughs> um on on board their vessel you know and uh as I say, I was 13 when, when I saw that film. None, none of that meant anything to me, but seeing it now, you know, it does. Mm. So yeah. Again, so again, you've got you've got this weird mixture of sort of kiddie monster movie and content that that is gonna be over the heads of that audience, aimed at the mums and dads sort of thing, but they're not only aimed at the mums and dads who 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 are interested in things like satire and so on and and um yeah it's it's got this really weird sort of tone to it and i think that really works and really gives it a a, a sort of longevity and an appeal to people watching it today yeah massively underrated i think yeah i agree with that i mean it doesn't for me it doesn't do anything special in no, the sense no. of like, you know, it, it doesn't. Oh my God, they've updated Kong for the seventies. Well, it makes it makes no changes. No, does it, it really? it's the same. O- other than this, other than this layer of sort of satire and political comment and so on, social comment. But uh, um, but yeah, it's the same story effectively. And you've got things like the World Trade Center replaces the Empire State Building and stuff. But that's that's all just cosmetic, yeah, really. Yeah. You know, I mean, yeah. it, it, he's he's still on top of the biggest building in America. Yeah. So yeah, and it's yeah. like it's still sort of like even the spectacle of it. The Kong of '33 is still a gigantic spectacle. So yeah. it's not like you yeah. can like up the spectacle level. It's just a different kind of spectacle where they switch it. From stop motion animation to um, a man in a suit, um, but very good. But you know, it was it was. I, I guess it was m- a sort of a hit because it spawned a sequel, albeit ten yeah. ten years later, with King Kong Lives. Yeah, and uh, Guillaume uh, directed that as well. He was brought back to make that. Yeah. Uh, Dino De Laurentiis on board again. I just wonder why they took so long. Yeah, I don't know. Um, yeah, I, I really it was it was quite a surprise. I remember when it was announced, and it was like everyone was sort of, why why are they doing this now? You and know, it's not but, it's not uh, they literally pick up straight uh, straight after the end of King Kong. Yeah, yeah. Even to the extent where they the the first five minutes is is footage from from the seventy six version. Yeah. So, uh, um, so yeah, a little recap of, of of what happened in that movie or at the end of that movie. So uh, yeah, it is literally sort of you know, here's here's the story so far, and now we're into the new we're we're into part two sort of. Now, thing. if King Kong nineteen seventy six has a bad reputation. King Kong Lives 1986 has such a bad reputation that it's almost been erased from cinema history. Yeah, yeah. Um, 
yeah what why why I mean, again i've watched it it's not a great film but the amount of vitriol that gets spewed towards this movie is astonishing really considering yeah. so i watched it and it's like i remember watching it as a kid i remember watching it now and it's like yeah it's all right you know it i think again it got killed by the media and the critics and um as a result of which i remember it barely playing anywhere so certainly in britain it hardly got a release. It did. It didn't open in Derby, for instance. Right. Well, I I never I didn't see it until some time later. I didn't see it in the cinema, and I was seeing everything in the cinema then, you know. And uh, um, yeah, so it didn't open here, as I remember. Not that we got many places for it to open in 1986, <laughs> to be honest. But uh, um, and and then um, and when it did eventually come out on video and DVD. It was only available in in horrible, horrible pan and scan versions. Right. Um, so um, it's it, and it's become quite hard to see in in a full cinemascope version. So and I think when you do, you you the the, the visual impact of the movie is really quite striking. I I I think it's a great visual movie. I think um, they do a lot of very interesting stuff with the visuals and with sort of the outsized sets and um, and again particularly good use of um, mixing man in a suit type stuff with sort of overhead shots and model shots and things and. Um, it all it all plays very very convincingly to me. You know, I'm I'm sure people could watch that film and really really pick holes in the special effects, but if you just watch it once with with your brain switched off, sort of thing, it all it all sort of works. It all seems to flow. It all works together. You you never get the feeling that oh they've 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 cut from. A, a model shot to a shot of a guy in a in a monkey suit sitting on a mountain or something you know it all seems to flow fairly seamlessly i think it's got quite a weird tone to it as well which might be off-putting to some people because it starts off as this very sort of sentimental idea that their kong is actually alive and they're trying to revive him with a heart transplant and blood transfusions and so on but then once he comes back to life, it actually gets really, really vicious. There's there's guys being torn in half and um and a, a scene where he's um his his staple diet becomes uh, alligators and he's sort of ripping those in half and chowing down on them and piling up the bones. So yeah, it does get quite gruesome after this sort of sentimental sort of start. And then it lapses back into the sentiment uh for, for the final act. Set against that, you then get, I, I think that the Kong heads, and I say heads because there are two Kong characters in this. And again, we, we've, um, we'll we leave people to discover, you know, what what that's all about, I think. But uh, um, but the, the, the heads are very, very expressive. And um, even to the point where they occasionally have quite sort of goofy smiling expressions on them, which again, sort of... Uh, adds to the tonal weirdness of it i think and and i think again that might have put some critics and some of the early audiences off a bit thinking well we've waited 10 years for this movie or we haven't waited 10 years for it maybe but they've, they've given it to us anyway and it's now got this really strange tone to it you know so we don't quite understand what it's all about yeah it's it was totally weird in the sense of like it's got this really sentimental stuff and it's like a little love story and it's <laughs> kind of a reverse reverse one of the of Kong falling in love with Jessica Lange in the in the in the first remake and then you got like the female Kong uh, falling in love with the the, the male yeah. uh, hunter character. In, in, interestingly, well, ripping off the plot of Queen Kong. There, there you go, Dino. Ma- Dino. Maybe Dino knew. Maybe <laughs> Dino knew back in '76 so he was going to. <laughs> um, I think I, for me, there's a couple of things that I, that bothered me about this movie in the sense that it, potential reasons why it didn't didn't land. Um, I think the special effects, whilst being very competent, they weren't like the special effects that 1986 movies were employing. No, no, and I think that's why felt like even though the effects, the model shots, and the the interlay in the man in suit with the model shots 
works brilliantly until if you take yourself out of the time and watch it like now it's like oh yeah it's perfectly well done you know it's 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 comparable to godzilla it's comparable to to a lot of those movies that of its ilk but if you compare that to the 18 1986 movies and 85 movies that were being released back to the future with the the flames and the the lightning bolts and, and those kind of special effects were what were in vogue i guess during that period and maybe it just stood out as being old fashioned I think so, which I I think it actually the the 80s movie, the big hit 80s movie of that whole effects um, blockbuster period that King Kong lives really does compare favorably to is uh, Romancing the Stone. I Mm. think it's got that sort of vibe to it. Yeah, yeah, it's not quite as it's nowhere near as good as. It's, it's not, I'm not saying it's as good, but but it's 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 a it's a it's a decent imitation of that style of cinema, the sort of adventure romp kind of thing. Yeah, which itself was harking back to the past, you know. Yeah, yeah and yeah. I think also I think one of the things where it, it feels a little bit like being there, done that. Yeah, yeah. You know, you got the military hunting Kong, and then you got the hunters. The sort of like you. Oh yeah, there's 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 nothing. New. There's not absolutely nothing. New, but almost to the point where they've gone out of their way to find the things that have been most used in cinema, uh, and we get we get the we get the Jaws hunters all going out to hunt Jaws. We get the same thing with Kong. You know, the drinking rednecks, and we get the the, the military yeah. leader who just won't listen to to reason. You know, <laughs> you get all those kind of stereotypes bone bundled into one here, and it just feels a bit like really 10 years waiting for that and here it is yeah yeah but again i think watching the film now you know we're we're, we've lived through a cinema age in say the past 30 years where paying homage to old movies has become a thing you know it's become a bit of a, a a hip trend you know and so i think watching king kong lives again now you sort of buy all that you think oh yeah this is it's nice to see all this stuff clumped together in one movie. Mm, I'm not sure. And I think it's. <laughs> I think it's. A, I think it's a film that's aged well. Yeah, I mean, I say I watched it again recently. And your first reaction when when I said I've watched I've watched King Kong King Kong Lives, and you went, "Oh, I don't envy you." <laughs> it was like, yeah, and then you I, went, I bet I best watch it again as well. And obviously, yeah, you've yeah. really changed your. Attitude. And I've I've I have revised my opinion, and I think, as I say, seeing seeing the film as it was meant to be seen in in cinemascope and being able to to appreciate uh, john scott's absolutely magnificent score mm. as well in through a proper sound system is is you know see the film right and i think it works it, it is one of those movies that probably ruined linda hamilton's attempts at being an a-list Hollywood actress in the eighties. Yeah, she was hot off Terminator, and then this and Black Moon Rising. She was Rising. the Jessica Lange of this movie. Yeah, yeah. yeah she had yeah. two films out in eighty six. <laughs> she had King Kong Lives and Black Moon Rising, and both of them flopped. Yeah. <laughs> it was just yeah. like, "That's you, you done, love." Back to TV. Yeah. <laughs> Talking of which, Dino De Laurentiis had another film out in eighty six. A little thing called Blue Velvet. Blue Velvet. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> See, very different, very different. If we're going to make a Dino De Laurentiis um, universe world, you know, for movies, yeah. <laughs> God knows how you fit Blue Velvet into that world. Yeah, Frank Frank Booth versus Kong. Yeah, when we throw in Ming, I, I, Ming I, the I Merciless turns up at the end. Yeah, <laughs> yeah indeed, yeah. I, I honestly couldn't call that one either. Yeah. <laughs> so let's move on to, let's move on to the, to the more modern, I guess, more modern takes on Kong. Peter Jackson, huge budgeted uh, King Kong remake, um, which is an interesting one. It feels for me, it feels to me that the King Kong, Peter Jackson King Kong, was like his western. Yeah. Not in sense of film, it's like, like when you ever you ask a film director, they've made a few films. Oh, if you can make any film, what you make? Oh, I'd love to make a western. I'd love to make a western. Yeah, it's like yeah. literally every every filmmaker wants to make a western. Yeah, um, and so this was this was his dream project. I think it the was like he, the, yeah, the, the thing he'd wanted to do since he was five. I think yeah, so, yeah. yeah. And it's like, and it plays like that. It's very yeah. sort of like reverential to the yeah. story of Kong, and it, or, you know, I, I don't know how it's much longer than King Kong, nineteen thirty-three, but it tells the same story. You know, here's here's one thing, Adam. You were talking about the pacing of Mighty Joe Young earlier yeah. on. Now. An interesting fact with Peter Jackson's King Kong is it's it's over 200 minutes long. So it's over twice the length of the original Kong. And by the time that you have got 100 minutes into the film, so 
by the time that the original Kong would have played out, Jackson's characters haven't even got onto Skull Island. <laughs> See, I detect a problem there. You know, I think that's <laughs> how, if, as an audience member, I was like, yeah, yeah. get to the island, get to the island, come on. Well, as, 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 as you're indicating, as you're suggesting, was the I don't think this was made for an audience. Oh, it was made I for him. It was, yeah. it was made for an audience of one. Mm. He did. I really don't think Peter Jackson cared all that much whether people went to see this. He just wanted to get this out and make it for himself. Yeah. Well, it does play like that. It does yeah, play like a does. hugely expensive vanity project. And it's very, it's very good. You know, in the sense of yeah, like it, it's, it's it, slick. It tells the story. It tells the yeah, story, but yeah. it just lacks a bit of something. It lacks a bit of soul. And I think. One of the things that really got me, particularly with the seventies and the eighties Kong, that they seem they seem to miss what people want to see from a Kong movie, and that's yeah. Kong fighting another giant monster. <laughs> and it's like we had seventy six No Drama, the other snake. Oh, shut up, a snake! Come on, yeah. King Kong lives. Oh, we got we've got a female Kong. Great, are they going to fight? No, they don't fight. Yeah. Um, uh, so we, we we get finally we get to 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 Peter Jackson's and we get him fighting another giant monster and it is the he's most he's actually duking it out. Yeah, yeah, it's the yeah. most thrilling bit about it for me. I I, I agree. I agree. There, there are some interesting characterizations. I, I think casting Jack Black as 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 Denham is as as close to a master stroke as the film gets. I, I think he's a really good fit for that part. It doesn't it doesn't actually quite work as well on screen as it it, it did on paper, I think. No, well I think it's, he's 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 good, but the idea of Jack Black playing Carl Denham is is better than the reality. Um, well, I think just such a mammoth running time, you end up being overexposed to that character. And I yeah. think if you it was half the time and Jack Black was on screen half as much as he was, you might have a different opinion on his performance and and, and how that character has an impact. Yeah, in in a one hundred minute movie, yeah. he'd have worked a lot better. Yeah, yeah. or in in a two hundred minute movie, Robert Armstrong might have had the same effect in 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 the thirty three version. Yeah. you might have had enough of him after half an hour. You know, and I think I think also it's like I like I like Adrian Brody, but he's dull as dishwater in this. Oh yeah, yeah uh, and yeah. he's not a great leading man in in the sense of uh, classic Hollywood. Brody can do that occasionally if he's in a part that he's not really interested in. He 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 does he he, he phones it in. He mm. underplays. He bobs in front of the camera, and and that's what you get. You know. Yeah, and it's a shame because we got that in this, and it it, it kind of felt like you needed more from yeah. from the humans in this movie Kong says it's over it's over three hour running time Kong can't do all the work guys come on yeah yeah what what do we think about Kong in this movie I'm um, I'm, I'm not keen I must say. yeah he's super it's super CGI isn't it yeah you yeah. you you, ne- you never lose the fact that you're watching a CGI creature hmm. rather than a real life physical thing which yeah whilst yeah. the suit era of Kong um live or die on how well good the suit is you still get that physical presence yeah and i don't think you get that in the in the in even in the 76 one where you get the man in the suit and you get the the, the robot arm kind of thing holding <laughs> jessica lang you yeah. still get that physical feel that that there's something there yeah whereas yeah. you don't really get it in the in the, in the yeah. jackson one now here's the thing, Adam. In in the publicity and all over the the extras on on the DVDs and Blu-rays and so on, they really try and play up the idea with with Jackson's Kong that um, Andy Serkis is doing his whole motion capture thing. He's he's doing the mocap stuff, which was quite new at that time. You know, it was quite a sort of revolution in cinema. It had been done a little bit before by uh, Robert Zemeckis and people, but. Uh, it was really being sold to us as, oh, this is a major development in cinema. And the key the key thing that we're going to tell you about it is because we've got an actor doing this, even though it's CGI, we, we, we've got an actor bringing a bit of personality to this. Now, you compare that to the personality that Willis O'Brien puts into Mighty Joe Young mm. and into the original Kong. And I like Andy Serkis. But it there's no comparison, you know. There's 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 no there's nowhere near as much heart to this Kong as there was to the original, and there's nowhere near as much as Peter Jackson thinks there is. 
No, I think there is for him because he's yep. retelling yep. that story. And he's too he's he's too close to it though. Yeah, yeah, it's it, his baby. Yeah, yeah. It, I must admit, it's like it's, it's one I'm I I have no real interest in watching again. No, no. Um, but I have had interest in watching the seventies version again. You know, yep. obviously yep. King Kong I watch fairly regularly over the years. You know, every every couple of years I'll stick King Kong on. You know, ninety minute wonderful joy. You know, um, this hasn't really landed on that in that stretch. I mean, being over three hours immediately makes me question whether I want to watch anything over three hours I know, I know. Uh, for a second time anyway, you know, so um, yeah, I, I, I think we'll give that one a miss. But let's move on to Kong Skull Island. So this is like the, the second film in uh, a kind of monsterverse legendary studio as are trying to do a monsterverse thing. We'd had Godzilla, the uh, um, new American remake of Godzilla, or reversion of Godzilla. And Kong Skull Island came on a couple of years after that. And it gets it right. Yeah, yeah. It gets it so right. <laughs> everybody's second favourite Kong movie, I think. Yeah, absolutely. It gets what people want from Kong. They don't want another version of King Kong. Mm-hmm. But we've already yeah. had two remakes yeah. of that. Yeah. And, 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 and a partial remake in King Kong versus Godzilla. And nearly every Kong movie retells it in some way mighty joe young retells it you know yeah see we don't want that anymore as a kong fan as a, as yeah. a giant monster fan we want to see kong beating the crap out of giant monsters kong's a character we know that you know he's a character let's put him in another story let's yeah. do yeah. let's let's tell a different story using this familiar giant ape and yeah it gets it so so right mm. um and I think there's a lot in there for for a lot of people because um, it's got a big name cast and it's got a cast that is fairly varied. So there'll be actors that appeal to different um, areas of the marketplace. I think it's 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 genuinely got a, a real sort of apocalypse now type vibe to it in places. Mm, very much so, so. So I think it'll appeal in that sense to a, a sort of cineast audience, you know, um, uh, um, people that have grown up on the movie brats and so on will sort of get that that seventies vibe in this film. And then for the people who love CGI and the people who like seeing monsters uh, scrapping it out, it's got that in spades. So yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I say true uh, a revelation for me because I watched Godzilla. I wasn't overly fond of the Godzilla remake. No, no. It was like. They kept doing that sort of like showing him on TV, showing him in the background, not really just give us Godzilla front and centre. That's what we want, you know, and, yeah, and, and yeah. they kept teasing, teasing, teasing. And then when it finally came, I was bloody fed up and wanted to go home. So <laughs> it didn't really achieve its uh, uh, building the anticipation for me. Whereas no. Kong just nailed it. We got so much Kong, got so much fighting, got character, got a whole great story, got that 70s vibe to it. We got some great human characters. New monsters as well, which were fantastic. Yeah. So, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Which then builds us up and sets us up to this year's King Kong versus Godzilla. And as, we, as we're recording this today, uh, the, the trailer dropped this week uh, yeah. for uh, King Kong versus Godzilla. Have you seen that? Oh, Godzilla versus King Kong, rather. Yeah, doesn't doesn't give... A, a it sort of gives too much away and b it doesn't give a lot away i would say well that's good <laughs> i don't want i don't want the trailer to tell me everything yeah. that's in the film i don't need to see the film yeah. then, do i yeah god i sound like my mum then you know <laughs> what what we do know from it is there is going to be godzilla versus kong scrap action so uh... i i i hated godzilla king of monsters the last yeah, Godzilla I, movie. I, I wasn't keen on that at all, no. no. I really didn't like it. And a lot of my concerns with that movie was like, it was just shot in darkness. Yeah. You know, yeah. it was, it was everything was really murky and you barely saw anything. And it's just like, we've seen that trick, that that coming from the shadows, we do something different now, we know, come on. And that movie, it felt like, I literally felt like I had to turn the lights on, yeah. you know, turn the contrast or I can't see what's yeah. going on in this movie. And, and and aside from the fact that the convoluted, messy plot that you just, just <laughs> all over the shop. So I was, I was naturally, I thought, well, obviously this is building on that. It's going to be a bit of a mess. And the trailer erased a lot of that. It, it's relatively brightly lit, you know. Yeah. <laughs> it's like they're fighting and you see them fighting on, on in, in the city and stuff. And I'm watching it. And then there's a little moment halfway through the film 
where I almost jumped out of my seat. And it's where Kong just lays a punch on Godzilla. Yeah. Fantastic. And it's just like, it's like Mike Tyson landing a punch yeah. in the eight. He's like, what a punch. How how that's going to play in the film, whether whether it will be the opening punch of a fight or what, I don't know. But it plays really, really, really well in the trailer. It does. It, made, it literally made me, literally, I went, yes, yeah. jumped out of my seat. It's like, wow, this is great. And then later in the trailer, we've got Godzilla giving as good as he, as he got as well. So uh, yeah. um, it's boding well, I think. Yeah, touch wood, touch touch lots of wood we can find. I think maybe this will be a lot of fun and have what we demand, big yeah. monsters fighting well, each other. Skull, Skull Island showed it can be done. You you can you mm. can recapture absolutely yeah. that that spirit and 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 the two Godzilla films so far have have, have just missed the mark. I think so. Yeah, yeah. maybe well, the answer crossed. is this team up is the answer. Fingers crossed. Apparently, uh, there's, there's the glimpses of Mechagodzilla in the trailer as well. Yes, um, yeah. So we'll yeah. see see how that bodes. Hopefully, we'll have some uh, Mecha action in there as well. Yeah. Uh, now, <laughs> a, a, a lot of people are um, theorising that um, Godzilla and Kong might team up to fight a third monster, and that's possible. As it's that's a well worked formula, so it is possible. I'd I'd like to think that there's going to be a little bit more to it than that. I think there might be a little extra twist in reserve. I do hope so. What they they team up and then at the last minute Godzilla stabs him in the back. <laughs> Who like, knows? I'll yeah. see with a steel chair, wrestling style. <laughs> I'm not coming up with any theories. I'm 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 leaving that to the well-paid script writers. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. Cool. Well, uh, it, unless there's any other thing that you want to touch on, Daryl, I think we've had a, a mad dash through the history of the legacy of Kong. Yeah, I think that's been an appropriately uh, gigantic uh, <laughs> session there, Adam. So yeah. we love the big guy. That's all I can say. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, and, and it's funny because I, I, I have an issue with the Planet of the Apes movies. I don't like watching the Planet of the Apes movies. It makes me feel uncomfortable seeing the apes on screen i can see evolution in their eyes daryl and i don't like it <laughs> whereas i don't feel that with the kong movies it's like I'm, I'm comfortable watching the kong movies maybe it's the size it doesn't make much difference but because because he's comfortable in what he is he's he's not aspiring to be anything else no other than a gigantic gorilla that that can tread on you you know if he <laughs> if he if he feels like it whereas as you say the apes seem to have a bit of an agenda yeah, I just don't like it now. It makes me feel uncomfortable. <laughs> I'll tell you, it really does. So um, when we first started about doing this, I was like, oh, I'm not sure about this. But, you know, I've enjoyed. I've enjoyed my uh, my jaunts down Kong Alley. Um, and hopefully we'll we'll be enjoying uh, Godzilla versus King Kong later this year. That's so, so we're hoping to jump back on and, and, and delve more into this giant Monsters of Filmland book and maybe do a couple more um, podcasts on other areas of monsters i think maybe do the japanese kaiju um monster series uh maybe we'll need a few podcasts for that one <laughs> there's, there's thousands <laughs> of them um but maybe look at in some of the giant insect movies and things like that of the 50s and maybe something like that great and um, obviously we need to tackle harry Housen at some point of in course, great depth yeah. the, so, the master absolutely yeah so um so stay tuned for some of those we'll come back to to, to giant monsters relatively soon thank you again to quad and the bfi for supporting this podcast uh, we will see you again in a few weeks time take care